The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. See y'all, I come from the school of Tupac. I'm a robber. You don't want to watch Hold up. Tez, I want to ask you a question real quick. Let's just keep it real straight shot with no chaser. I'm going to get a little bit rough. I'm here for those who really believe in the American process. All of us. Straight shot, no chaser. With your girl, Tesla Figaro, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. What's happening, straight shooters? This is your girl, Tesla Figaro. Today, we have human rights activist, national organizer, public speaker, hip-hop artist, and writer. She has a weekly column in The Final Call. We have Queen Yanaja Longwolf joining us on the show. Thank you so much, Queen, for stopping by and dropping some gems on us about all of your wonderful experience and uh, so much wisdom that you have. Shout out to my producer, Marcy Depina. She is a huge fan of yours. She kept saying... You got to interview. You got to interview. You, you're going to love what she has to say. You got to. So I said, OK, Marcy, let's make it happen. Let's sit down with the queen and uh, give uh, our straight shooters an opportunity to get to know you and all of the wonderful things you're working on and some experiences uh, that you can share in, in your journey uh, in this space. Several titles that you're working with here. Hip hop is always important to me. So you pretty much encompass everything that I stand for, from activists to also mixing in that hip hop, because hip hop is certainly uh, the voice of the streets and the voice of where our people are and always telling the story. I always say, you know, the days are over for using hip-hop as a political fundraising gimmick. You know, accountability to, t- to heal the story that hip-hop tells is important. So thank you so much, Queen, for all that you do. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Teslon, for having me and Marcy for for also having me. I think this is a great, great thing. I lo- I'm, a, I'm a fan of your show. I'm a fan of your content. You're hilarious and informative. So thank you so much. This is an honor. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Let's get right into it. So you say that you were born with your fist up, meaning that you were born into a life of activism. That's one of the things that I talk about. You know, Mm -hmm. I say what what I do in this space was truly a calling. Uh, Mm -hmm. there, There are folks that have a career. 
And it's, yeah. you know, no shade to them. You know, I, I lean more towards the politics and the, the public policy. So in my space, uh, most people that are really in my space and, and digging down into the political side of things really do see it, you know, as a career. They'll go to school for public science. You know, they're they're interested in the government. They come out and, and they they serve and then they say, oh, you know, I want to run for office. Or I want So I, I have found that a lot of people, you know, who are great at what they do, but not necessarily called for this work. I talk about a lot the consequences of consciousness and those who have been called. We have a lot of consequences that we pay because of the choices that we make. Because if I were to look at what I do as a career and just go on the natural trajectory of my career, I probably wouldn't suffer as many consequences as I have, meaning lose contracts, lose opportunities, you know, Mm -hmm. lose jobs, uh, deal with the hate. Because I'm moving according to how the how they feel, quote unquote, I should move opposed to my calling. So yeah. it sounds like that's something that you two believe in. Explain that to us what it means you were born for this. So I was born, my mother, my late mother, Juanetta Lone Wolf, um, she's Ogallala, Lakota, Native American from Pine Ridge, South Dakota. And my dad is black from Brooklyn, New York. My mother uh, used to work for Muhammad Ali. She was his public relations director. And then, which also during this time of the 70s was the American Indian Movement, uh, which was founded by Russell Means, Dennis Banks. And, it, and basically what it was is that it was the Native American version of the Black Panther Movement. My mother had and she was pregnant with me during the longest walk, which was a protest from Alcatraz, San Francisco to Washington, D.C., And I was born in Washington, D.C. because my mother was the PR director and worked and helped with The Longest Walk. From The Longest Walk, when they got to Washington, D.C., I was born in D.C. at Howard University Hospital. But that was also the time where because of this march and this protest, um, we're able to have the Freedom of Religious Act. That was what they was marching and protesting for. So the reason why we're able to have freedom of religion is because of the American Indian movement. And I was born at that time. And so I grew up around the Black Panthers, the Nation of Islam, the Chicano movement, the American Indian movement. In my mother's living room was Cesar Chavez, Kwame Torre, Minister Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson. Like, you know, this is like, you know, today we all of us that, you know, we do. We spoke about Tamika Mallory. You know, there's Sean King. There's, you know, there's all these other activists and we all kind of pick up the phone and talk to each other. It was like that then. And I was. I would say it was an honor for me to be born. I was literally born with my fist up in the movement and and being in these spaces at a young age and not really having a childhood because that was my childhood was to be able to learn and be beside the feet of so many great leaders that are now in historical books. Now, um, when you was talking about being called, right, I always say that it's going to get everyone is going to have to make a choice of what they're willing to fight for. Whether it's fighting for, you know, your job, (laughs) whether it's fighting, we're all going to make a choice of what we're willing to fight for. We are, um, that's just life. And so for me, I would say that my first act of activism, even though I was around all these greats, for me, my first act, a major act of activism was when I was in high school and um, I went to a school in Phoenix, Arizona that had skinheads. Um, in my high school and skinheads and KKK was huge in Arizona, especially the skinheads in the Mm nineties. And so 
um, one of the skinheads wrote nigger on my locker. And um, and from there, I told my friends and it turned into a little riot at my high school. Um, we ended up so NBC, the Today Show ended up uh, reaching out to me and they followed me for an entire week on a segment called Black, White and Angry. And it was about race relations amongst young people. From there, I began to start working with the city of Phoenix on making, um, having youth diverse programs at the age of 14 years old, did marches and all of that. So at times, no matter where, even if no matter what, I was constantly being pushed and called to be able to stand up for what I want to, what I want to fight for, which was freedom, justice, and equality for our people. Anytime I saw anything that wasn't right, I was like, no, I need to stand up and I need to speak on this, you know? And I, and, and I would say that the environment of elders that I grew up around gave me that, that, um, that freedom to do that, even as a child, when they would have engaged in certain conversations, you know, they allowed me to speak at the age of six, at the age of seven years old, you know? So I, I, that's why I say I was born with my fist up. <laughs> yeah. Let, let, let's um dig into that a minute because mm-hmm. I, I think it's important that we recognize those who have had an opportunity to be around the elders, because as you know, with this new movement, you know, it's, it's, it is a generational shift right now. You know, uh, our leaders before us won't live forever. So now you have uh, different leaders, you know, our, our, our shared sister, you know, Tamika Mallory, who also grew up, you know, in the movement. Yeah. But then you have people like me that did not. So when I say that I was called, I'm speaking from a different side of the lens, meaning that, there was no one in my family was in civil rights. No one was an attorney. No one was in legal. No one was in social justice. No one was when you're talking about 14 at 14 at 14, I was dating uh, a blood that was running from the feds. You know what right, I mean? Right. So right, right. my mm-hmm. calling for me is because I know that this was not the path. It was not the chosen path. It was not because I, I, people around me, if anything, the, if I mimic the people around me, you know, with the session, my mother was in television, but she was, you know, a news director, secretary. So she did television, but broadcast, not, you know, like what we're doing today, opinion commentary. But if I yeah. went by what was around me, which I did date the hustlers, I always, I make no mistake about that. You know, I, I did, but I would have, I would be in jail. I would have a felony. I would have went a totally different direction. So one reason why I accept the consequences that comes with my calling is because I know for a fact that it it, it wasn't supposed to be me. And yeah. he's placed it in my heart over and over and over. The most high when I say he over and over and over in my spirit. And every time I tried to walk away from it, I got pulled back. I did really well in corporate America. I went to the military. I've done a number of things. I didn't get into this because I didn't have something else to do. It truly was because it was the only thing for me to do. And as a result of you know, losing income and being in one room and me and my daughter, you know, sharing a one room apartment and Ubering if need be and making $55 a day if need be. I begged the Lord, like, please, are you kidding? Get, let me just go do what I've always done. You know, I worked at the first and third largest staffing firm in the world. I had my own staffing firm, I had 300 employees. I was doing just fine without this. I, it, uh, and any, I, I had literally walked around this burning bush too many times to count to say, are you sure? I, I tell you that story because I think it is important that uh, those of us that are, uh, you know, in this space, that we appreciate 
what other people, you know, bring to the table. Mm-hmm. One of my closest, I'm my only child. One of my closest friends' uh, name is Aisha. Shout out to Aisha. She's like a sister to me. And she grew up somewhat, I would say, privileged. You know, she had access to things that I didn't. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks, she's a few years older than me, but a lot of folks were jealous of her, were envious of her, you know, um, didn't like her because she had access to resources. And I always admired it. You know, without her, I wouldn't have ever got my first Jabot jeans or my first name brand shoes. She gave me her Kohans after she got done wearing them. And to me, that was, you know, I talk about that to this day because to her, it was just, oh, I'm done wearing them, wear the shoe. But there was nobody who did that. You know, I I couldn't afford that. My mom couldn't afford it. My dad was on drugs and alcohol. He was us. He was in the streets. It meant so much to me. And, And I have always appreciated those who have had more access than me, uh, who have, you know, had different opportunities opposed to being envious and jealous. And I'm, I'm saying that because what we're seeing now with some of the benefits that some of us are getting in this, you know, whether it's a podcast or let's just say it, Tamika with the Grammys, you know, having that opportunity, the jealousy uh, that I see from the opportunities that one that she's earned by doing this work for over 20 plus years. But we come from there's a there's a thing shift going on now with us not understanding that everybody got into this journey different. Instead of being angry at you because you had an opportunity to be around to me, the man that loves black people more than anybody, the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, I am glad that you had that wisdom. I'm glad that you were able to soak up that game because once they're gone, when they go on and if, if God say the same and you're still living, who else is going to pass those stories on? Yes. You know, I, I wish there was more of us understanding each other's path and how all of those paths, like they say, come together for the good of those for our, the love of the Lord. But I'm changing it to say that loves our people, because yes. if I don't have the story about being assaulted at 14, then right. you don't have that story to say, this is why we fight. You know, if if you don't say I had a chance to sit at my elders feet and this is what they told me, then I don't get that wisdom uh, firsthand. So what is your thought on that, on, on what we're seeing now with this? I don't know what it is. I call them clowns, but the hate, <laughs> the, the, the animosity, you know, the the yes. the all of the drama of, of folks being jealous that people have had opportunities. So what, what's your thoughts on that? I love that you are bringing this up because I wish we were friends when I was younger because I, I dealt with a lot of jealousy growing up, you know, um, I, I like, oh God. And, and then, and then let's not talk about the nineties when minister Farrakhan was everywhere on the media, everywhere and how the music industry just like, I mean, Farrakhan, what that he was, they, his speeches was on every single song. You know, you have so many rappers that love them. So we, I, we was able to meet so many celebrities being a teen and my friends like, what you had dinner with Eddie Murphy. What uh, you think you all of that or da, 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 you know, I think it's really important for me. It does get frustrating, especially I'm 42. And, you know, sometimes I don't want to be like the the old auntie that is like <laughs> that is being like, you know, just just getting frustrated and mad at everyone. But because uh, I want to have an understanding spirit from the younger generation. But, you know, especially when I'm in meetings with younger activists and, you know, and they're feeling like. You know, we always hear this ain't your grandparents, you know, civil rights movement. This is a new civil rights movement. Shout out to um, King Darren that, you know, that was murdered in Ferguson that said that, you know. But I would say that when I'm in these spaces, I'm like, well, we need to learn. We need to learn. We have to have these uncomfortable conversations on what they did right 
but also what they did wrong. wrong. That's right. And they have to be willing to pass it on or we have to be willing to take the torch too. one of the two. But but go ahead. And then and listen, listen and learn, because one thing that I see that is repetitive is COINTELPRO in the movement. And and I always said my mother was a political prisoner because of COINTELPRO. You know, she did seven years in prison. I was just sharing this story with my friend yesterday because we was talking about social media and how things like someone may put out something and then how it all of a sudden gains so much traction. I said, COINTELPRO, it still exists. It may not be the person in your living room that you organizing with like it was back in, you know, not that long ago, but it would all, but it's also on social media. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially they put more money on, you know, intelligence, social media intelligence to be able to wag the dog, dog and shift the conversation and to control how we should be able to respond. And so those type of things is that I constantly are like, I'm like, you know, to try to educate on because when I was growing up, the FBI was following me to school every day. I actually saw bugs in my house. Sometimes the air conditioning unit wouldn't work, you know, then all of a sudden someone's coming to fix the air conditioning unit. You know, the heat won't work. The lights will come off and someone's coming to fix that. And this is this is not movie. This is was real life for me, you know. So my mother would show me like, OK, look it and we'll take it off. And this is at a young age. And I, I try to share these stories with the younger generation. I think it's really important that education of the history is important. You can't. I'm sorry, have- I, don't, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I do want to make sure that that we are very clear that I'm not even talking about no young folks. I'm talking about some of these old ass haters too. You know, we because this this, this, this ain't all I, young. Pe- you know, this is yeah. people also that maybe their life didn't go as they as expected, and opposed to figuring out how they can contribute something to the movement. I, I see a lot of pain, you know, uh, especially when you yeah. can mask your, your name on social media, it's very easy to, you know, point fingers. And, and so I, I just want to make sure, cause I want you to touch on that too. I'm, I'm talking about some of these grown ass folks that intentionally, you know, try to seek and destroy. And, and I just found, you know, when you said the FBI was following you, yeah, they was following me too, but they was looking for dope. You know, we got different stories, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, cause no, and, and, not following me that, particularly, but my boyfriend. Right. But and then understanding that was is important too because I think I think that activism, um, social justice activism, and even the gang and the drug game, the street game is very similar. It is in regard. It's very very similar. You know, I, I growing up on the West Coast, we had Crips and Bloods. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of that same so a lot of that same thing is very very similar in regards to infiltration, the way the OGs. And then and the young ones, you know, what I'm saying like in regards to that conflict at times of knowledge, I think that even with the older, the older heads in, in activism, it is hurt. It is pain. They you know, one thing that I noticed is that a lot of them didn't take time for self-care. And there's a difference between an older person and an elder. And we have to know that difference. You know what I'm saying? An elder is a person that's giving us wisdom. And they may not necessarily be old. I'm glad you touched on the gang thing because you may not know, but that's that's my center of what I talk about in politics. You know, G-Code politics, I break down the, the OGs, the BGs, the YGs, the set, the precinct. I mean, I do full, you know, training on how, you know, Democrats just like Crips, Republicans just like Bloods. And I break it down because I grew up in a Pyro neighborhood um, yeah. and all my cousins were Crips and, and the organizational structure. But 
to that point, even in a gang, an OG is not necessarily age because you can be old yep. and a fool. But the wisdom, you know, and, and what they have to give. Yes, I agree with you 1000 percent. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. So, so let me ask you straight up. So some of these old folks that Hey, you know, you still experience the same thing as when you were young. Like, oh, you're saying that you got it easy because you got this or you know this or you have that research. Do you still feel feel that now? I don't really get that from the um, from older people or elders. I usually get that from a lot of younger people that, you know, that think that I'm a gatekeeper or, you know, or um, I'm I'm national and and, because I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, and so they're like, oh, you know, you're national, you're not local. And that, you know, and I'm like, I'm in the mud with y'all. I'm getting arrested right with y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like, and then I, I do get that a lot. But I also like, you know, I need, we need to hear each other's stories. And I do do talking circles amongst the activist community and the, also the families of stolen lives. And, and it's a Native American a ceremony where it's a talking circle and for us to be able to share and express. And so it'd be, we do have older people and younger people in there, you know, and now I started revolutionary healing, which is on the third Sunday of every month, which is a safe space for healing and revolutionary healing. And so, 
um, I just felt that that was also important as well for us to have a space to learn each, learn from each other because the basis of community development is self-improvement. And we always talk about our community developing and the movement and this and then pointing the finger. You know, we're doing this a lot, but a lot of us don't, we haven't created a, a space where we're pointing the finger back at ourselves. Let me heal from this that I just went through. I just got dragged on social media. Let me heal from that, yeah. you know, or I just got, you know, they're calling me an agent. Let me heal from that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, all of the different bickering that happens in the movement, we don't take time to rest and to learn how to have these tools for self-care. So that's where I started. It's a day retreat that I do um, every this one on um, this Sunday, but I do it every third Sunday of the month in Atlanta, Georgia. And you need to come down. Yeah, but we neat. have like we have these dope healing sessions and we're giving people tools, whether it's yoga, meditation, whether it's talking circles, whether it's art therapy, just different things or wherever your spirit is being called to to do. And we do it from 12 to four and we have performances. We turned up. It's like, it's like the turn up of healing. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and it's and needed. It's and I, I didn't know how to, you know, I'm learning that now, you know, I just yeah. now my trying to figure out balance and work-life balance because of, because, because what I'm speaking about, you know, my experience is not necessarily an age thing. It's a class thing, you know, because I will say in defense of people that come from the streets, they don't feel they have a voice among those who have had privilege because yeah. obviously black privilege. And I love Charlemagne's book about black privilege. We know black privilege is not like white privilege. We get that. So just for the sake of the conversation, when I say black privilege, I just mean, you know, the ability to be around, you know, to have resources. And so a lot of voices like mine feel that they have not been heard because they're looked down upon. So there's this, you don't know what you're talking about because you didn't go to college. You didn't this, you didn't that. And that's why even myself, my own tribe, why it was so important to me, make sure I went to college, make sure I got my master's, make sure I did this, make sure I did that, make sure I had a bit, because you feel this uh, this need to be able to make sure that, you know, you can have conversations in various class, you know, with class. So there's age and then there's class. And so I think that's really important. And I did not know, in fact, I, I put a, a meme out today to say that uh, the Lord can't bless you. He can't bring you food as long as there's vultures around. And that just hit me mm. because when he brings, matter of fact, it just gave me chills now because when he gives you food, it's not for them. And if, if you have a vulture, he's going to, they're going to take it. And even in my life, clean, cleaning up some of the toxicity in my own life, yeah. the blessings have come in and they have flowed in. And when I say flawed, I don't mean easy, but it's almost like it was waiting. You know, my, my 2020 wasn't my first 2020. I, I've been living pandemic mode for the last 20 years. <laughs> right. So <laughs> exactly. in 2020, because I made a shift in self-care and, and we don't have those uh, conversations. I haven't had time for self-care. You know, Marcy and I talk about it. You know, when the last time I took a vacation, it wasn't even about like, me not wanting to do it. I didn't have the resources and the time or the energy or the extra to me, an extra thousand dollars to go do something was rent to me. You know, I didn't have it, you know, both parents are in the ground and when they were living, they didn't have it to give it to me. So I, I do think it's important. And I'm glad to hear that you're doing that, like having talks and conversations because that could be self-care. It may not be just getting up and going on a plane and having the luxury because everybody just doesn't have that resource. So I'm glad you, you touched on that. Yeah. And I think that even even the small things that we, we have, we teach at Revolutionary Healing is turning the last one we had. Someone came to talk and gave everybody tools on, on self-care that don't cost money. It could be simply just turning your phone off for a day. 
It could be simply just not, you know, enforcing and demanding, you know, you don't have to reply to every text. That's right. You know, you don't have to, or just taking a walk or, you know, at revolutionary healing, I have everyone hugging trees. And, you know, oh, that, and so it, are you the one that got Charlemagne hugging trees or was he doing that before you? <laughs> no, no, I've been telling Charlemagne, I, I was like, yo, you need to, you know, come to revolutionary healing and you need to, you know, he's always, I've been trying to get him on the reservation for a minute. You know, I think that those type of things are very, very are, are important for self-care. You know, we are, especially as original indigenous people, you know, as original habitants of these lands, we are connected to Mother Earth. And I think that that is something that, especially within the movement, you know, we we miss that, you know, something you said about the connecting to, you know, some of the people that that don't have these type of resources um, as an organizer. I always see resources in everyone during the time of the hurricane. I did a fundraising event for the people of Florida, of um, Texas and the Caribbean. And I went down to Miami and I was like. I went, I went to the pork and bean section of Miami and my friend ended up getting everyone within the pork and bean section of Miami together and was like, okay, you know what I'm saying? We need the, we need the, we need these gangs out. We need all of the youth out. We need everybody out to come and help. So, so we could be able to come together, provide resources and let's help each other, you know, with um, build this community back up in regards to the damage of the hurricane, you know, um, get it, providing foods and things like that. Um, even during the when we was doing canvassing, you know, we was right back there in that community of Liberty City. You know, I think that you could be able to find resources within the people, you know, even that may that may not have. I think I think for me, I always like take me to the hood. Take me to the barrio. Take me to the res. I don't want to go meet with the churches. Like the churches need to meet us in the mud. That's right. You know what I'm saying with the people. Then if NAACP need to meet us there, if Sharpton or or freaking Crump or whoever else come to the hood. And that's where I'm going to be at when I come into that city. You know what I'm saying? Like, even with the celebrities, come to the hood. Like, I'm I'm really big in going where our people are at. And as I'm in there working with them or whatever they got going on, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, okay, can I bring resources? By your permission, can I bring? I'm, I don't go into communities with resources automatically with me. I go there by myself a lot of times because I, and, and then from there, like, okay, can I bring the honorable man to Farrakhan? Can I bring this person or that person or this person by your permission? Cause we're coming into your neighborhood. We're coming into your community. And I think that that is something that we need to do more that have resources that have access is to be able to get your hands dirty with the people. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides. Loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. 
Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Yeah, I like that you said that you asked, and that's the biggest, you know, paying homage. Speaking from the street side side of it, I love this interview because we're covering both sides. But the street side of it, you have to do that. There, There's no just running up in somebody's hood and just that's so when right. I was organizing uh, for Bernie Sanders, I was his racial justice director and I went all over the country, national racial justice director. And we had to go in cities and start from scratch. It was only about 10 of us black that worked on the national level and we had to start from scratch and get relationships, you know, and when I went to Flint, I still have those same relationships today because in the street, you don't come in and say whatever and then keep it moving. You know, you, you have to still maintain, you know, and respect that relationship and what they contributed to you at that time. And you ask, you know, you're humble enough to ask, you know, permission or what can I do? And that's something that folks who don't come from that air from that side don't get. So I, I really appreciate you understanding the importance of that, even particularly what our elders and older folks, they don't get it. They think because their name is whatever, they can go do whatever. And that's why the NAACP has lost a lot of clout. That's why the Urban League has lost a lot of clout, because yeah. the the humble, the, you're missing the, the humble part, you know, of understanding that you're in somebody else's territory. Me growing up, going to somebody else's territory, somebody else's sick and get you killed. And get even though we're in politics, I still apply that same you know, mindset, know where you are, you know, know, know where you are and, and, and address it accordingly. So I'm glad to hear you say that. And some people just don't share, you know, some people get it like you get it. And it's people like me that lived it. So I understand, but a lot of folks don't, you know, get that. I also want to say, cause I, I told you how, at least those who share my background feel, but I also, you know, want to say on, on your behalf that you intentionally make a decision to help. And you get criticized even for that, you know? So it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, yeah. you're saying I grew up with having all these resources, but yeah. now I'm still making a choice, you know, to help. I don't have to help because I grew up with resources. I can easily go do something else. And I'm still deciding to 
go to the mud and get it out the mud. And I will say, because at least my cousins, my my sister, I call her my sister, I, seeing her experience, I understand that it's like you can't never, you can't win for losing. Because there's people like me to be like, oh, you don't know, you didn't grow up in the hood. What's that you claim? You didn't come from here, you know, whatever. So they they can't hear the conversation, you know, a, a lot. So I want to say that, that that's, that I know is hard for you. And, yeah, you know, again, yeah. I talk about the consequences of consciousness. What are some of those consequences that you've had to suffer as a result of trying to blend classes, you know, different class together? Because now, now it's not even just age. I'm talking about going to the hood and, you know, how they see you or seeing the national, you know, prestige, you know, how, what are some of the consequences if you can share or things that you've had to suffer as a result or walk away from just because you want to stay authentically connected to the ground? I think that the hardest city that I worked was Flint. That was a hard city. And what I mean by that is I love the people of Flint. I understand what they're dealing with, with the water. Uh, Marcy was also a part of this. We did it. We, um, in a month span, a month and a half, we organized over 56 cities nationally and well, internet and internationally to do a fundraising event all on one day called hip hop for Flint. We raised money. Um, I did not want us to give bottled water to the people of Flint. I wanted us because when I went to Flint, I thought, I was like this. I felt that it was disrespectful. It was a quick whoever came up with the bottled water concept until I went there. And I was like, this is disrespectful to a mother that has seven children. How is she going to feed clothes, you know, wash all of everything with bottled water? And I was like, there has to be a filtration system that takes the lead out. And so I reached out to um, a whole bunch a whole bunch of filtration companies. And I asked them to, I was like, if you feel that your filtration system is the best, send it to Flint and let me get it tested. And so we did. Wow. Everyone that stepped up um, and guess what? The filtration company was right next to Flint, Michigan. They was like, that's actually took the lead out. And so um, we was able to raise over 200 water filtration systems that take the lead out. Now, not just something over your sink. I'm talking about right attached to the home. So the toilet is lead free. Everything is lead free. And then then we was able to get plumbers and a contract with plumbers to come install it and to constantly every three months, you know, changing the filtration system. And so we did that. When we got there to Flint, to give out more filtration systems, everyone, and we put together, we wanted to commune with the people. We wanted to, we wanted to just have a good time with the people of Flint. We had performances and everything. And they came, got their filtration system and left. And the only people there was the organizers was us from all the various cities. That hurt me. That hurt me that I made a public statement. And I never would make a pub, but it hurt me. I understood that other, and, and I learned that it was because so many people prior was capitalizing, being popular off of the Flint crisis. So they thought we was another group coming in doing that. And so I ended up telling the people in a public statement, and I said, do your research on me. All of us, we all, we don't have no money. When that comes, we did this on a grassroots 
level. And so after that, I did a couple more visits to Flint, you know, but that was a very that I cried for at least two weeks. I was so hurt because I felt like there had been we we was getting we was getting hurt by previous people before us of the way that they came in. You know what I'm saying? And so and we didn't we didn't deserve that. We really didn't. And, and, and if you don't mind, let me share my uh, Flint experience. This is really good. I didn't even know we were going down this road. But let me, just, you know, I, I went to Flint in 2016, like I said, to organize, you know, for Bernie Sanders. I stayed in Flint a, good, a good month. You know, um, we won Michigan. My mom had cancer at the time. I was going back and forth, you know, to chemo. I still organized in Flint. I went last year. Um, with Attorney Crump, I still keep in contact with Daniel Green, who at the time was a volunteer. Now she sits on the school board. You know, she a lot of folks really learned, you know, not just how to activate because that's my that's what I love doing, teaching folks how to get in on the policy side and the political side. And and I will just say that I hear you with that. But when I my experience with Flynn, even last year, they said and I, I've checked Bernie Sanders about it because I don't give a damn work for you or not. I've called him out publicly. Uh, Hillary Clinton, all those folks that was up there in 2016 came in, ran and haven't been back. Mm-hmm. And last year when we were there even to talk about the settlement and you could see the pain on people's face, you know, and I, I worked with another couple of folks on some murder cases that nobody ever talked about, you know, because it was black on black crime. It's two 14 year old girls that were killed, 13 year old girls were killed. And I, I worked with them. I've always personally kept my relationship with them because it mattered that I came in, which is sharing what you're saying, that I came in and I just never reached back. And I don't yeah. have the resources and I don't have a phone. I, I don't I wouldn't know who to pick up and call to get nobody to give them nothing. But at yeah. least stay, and I'm saying this for those who say, because there's a lot of conversations say, oh, well, you know, it's easy for you to do because you had the resource. Me, I didn't have the resources, but I, I had my mouth. And I did what I could do and I helped in any way that I could, you know, I uh, whether it was just checking on them or what can I try to bring to attention without the lights and camera. And and I did that because me personally, I know what it means to be broken. So yeah. I would say this, sister, that although that, you know, that hurts you and I'm not minimizing that, mm-hmm. but I, I know their pain is so deep. They told me that. Nothing we can come in and say, this was last year. They said, these people have given up on God himself. And mm. I thought that was deep. Mm. So when you're talking about people that have given up on God right. himself, right. Right. they don't have the capacity to extend to you the gratitude or the understanding or the, because that's what it was. It was a hustle for a lot of people coming in, it coming out, coming a, in, coming out. a couple out. of people, it came to my attention and I also addressed this publicly the filtration systems that we raised, some of them was going and selling, trying to sell them. So, um, so that the money was becoming more of a priority than still having clean water. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, 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 it, and it was like, it was very hurting and I understood it. I understood it. But at the same token, I wanted them to understand that when there is regular people that are, that we that were called to just help, you know, that you can't take that for granted. It has to be in the midst of your brokenness. You have to at least have some type of be nice. Yeah, but but I'll just tell you, and I agree, but it's hard to, I deal with a lot of broken people just in my life, you know, my family and my, you know, who I still engage with. And and 
that type of work is hard because they don't, they literally, it's almost me like asking somebody paralyzed to walk. It, mm. it, there is no research that they can do. You know, it, a lot of folks, I teach a lot of the homies even how to go to Google. They don't know. They wouldn't know what to research, what to look for. I had a company. They literally don't. And it's not making an excuse because I will cuss somebody out broken. I will cuss your broken ass out. I don't care how broke you. You broken in the spirit. I'm going to break it down a little bit more because you're going to respect, you know, what, what it is I'm yeah, bringing yeah. you. And, I, and I'm just saying this speaking directly from my heart because I have, you know, folks that I deal with daily that wear me down, that are not grateful, that are not appreciative, that that I don't feel, you know, respect, you know, what I'm trying to do. And I want them to see it and I want them to get it. And then I have to learn going back to that self-care when I've done enough and not to invest so much emotionally into somebody that is broken, that doesn't have the capacity to love you or to mm. appreciate it. Not right. only do they not have the capacity, they're not even capable of it. Right. And, yeah. and, and that's where we have to have constant self-care because there's going to be more people that are not uh, grateful, that are not satisfied. They will run. I mean, you notice know they will run you completely out the game. You know, yeah. I tell people all the time, Hey, working with these families and a lot of these families that give, Hey, I'm yep. t- I've had a whole bunch of come to Jesus meeting to say, I can't believe, you know, that, that you have the audacity, you right. know, to have a spirit of greed, a spirit yeah. of ungratefulness, a spirit of entitlement, a, a spirit of feeling like somebody owe you something. So I right. feel what you're saying and I'm not minimizing that at all because yeah. you have the right to feel that way. But I would just say from there, they don't see what they're doing to you. They're expressing no. what's been done to them. To them, exactly. And, and that is not powerful enough. Yeah. How you feel is not powerful enough to to overcome how yeah. they feel, even yeah. though you're there to to heal. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Even if, yeah. if, if the, the potter, you know, they say the potter brings you back together again. And even if I got the glue in my hand, Mm-hmm. And you see that I'm here trying to put you back together again. And I'm trying to put you back together and you're still pouring water in to get it out. Oh, I told you I knew it was going to get, I knew you couldn't put me back together again. I told you I knew it was, you know, I knew you weren't a good potter. I knew you were that that's a spiritual struggle, you know? So I, I feel you on that for sure. And it's a, it's a difficult thing as you t- as we title ourselves activists, you know, an activist is a person that activates for change, but we don't get paid for this. You know, I'm just now learning how to be able to apply for grants. I never knew that how to do none of that for all of these years, because like, mind you, I grew up around, like I said, the the Chicano movement, Black Panthers, American Indian. They wasn't getting grants and 501c3s and they didn't establish businesses like that. They established networking movements, you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't on paper. Like we didn't learn how to be able to do all of that. So we do this because we feel that we're being called to do it. And that the same token, sometimes I'd be having to tell these families that lost their loved ones to police brutalities. I'd be having to tell a lot of folks from environmental to social justice, all of that. I do, me and you are one in the same. I do be going off and have to remind them, mm-hmm. yo, we don't have to do That's this. That's right. <laughs> don't get it twisted. We don't have to yeah. do this. We're doing this because we saw a video of your loved one being murdered or we saw the story and it, we felt that we wanted to help you. We're here to help. 
But when that, but you don't, don't, don't call us out on social media. Don't be saying that you should be here and you should, and you're faking this person. No, we don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. We're not as, we don't ask these families for money. And if any activists that do do that, you should be canceled. You don't ask these families for money. You know what I'm saying? So I think that it's important that everyone understands the two part in this. You know, I do understand that I've lost, I lost three cousins by, by the hands of police in a one month span in, in South Dakota. No one knows and speaks about the rise of so many native Americans that are being murdered by police and, and missing and murdered. And this is happening in my own family. And so I'm like, so sometimes I have to remind some of these mothers that's all like, you know, my case of my son is bigger than the other case. And I'm like, hold up. I told you about three of my cousins that were murdered. That no one ever once. Did you all say, let's do something for Yanajaha and her family? So not only am I speaking of a person that's an activist, but I'm also speaking about a person that is also a victim of police brutality that also have loved ones of stolen lives. So it's all like, so the thing is, is that you all, you, you all, this sense of entitlement has to, because we're all in pain. Well, all are broken by this this system that has oppressed us for over 500 years. And so don't let's stop pointing the finger at each other and let's look at the bigger enemy and the bigger picture. But we spend so much time coming at each other. So, you know what I'm saying? And being upset that this person didn't do this and this person didn't do that. Or they said that they was going to, you know, we don't have, we don't even me that have access to media like like this podcast and access to other things doesn't mean that I'm able to be the fix it all and the do it all. I can't. It's, it's, it's not, I don't have the capacity for that. I really don't, you know? And so I think that our people, our people are broken. And, and, and this is why self de- self-improvement is so important and self-development is important. We have to begin even if you did lose a child to, to police brutality, even if you are in, in, in Standing Rock and they're trying to pollute the waters, even if you're in Flint, even if you're in the Apache and the government is coming to take your land you ha- or, the, or those that's on the border of immigration, we cannot point the finger at each other that's, of people that's wanting to help. But we have to begin to start holding this government accountable and these corporations accountable and these policies and these laws that they are implementing for us not to have change. And we're all on the same, even playing, playing field for change against these oppressors. Yeah. And we do different things. You know, we all have different strengths and weaknesses. I talk about it on my, um, Social media, I'm always hashtag and push the line, you know, politics and sales, something happens. But I have a logo that I created and it's four people at the bottom, two men, two females and a child on the side with her power to the uh, people fist up. And mm-hmm. you got two people in street clothes, two people in, in, in business clothes. And I tell people, you push the line in your own way. You know, everybody does something different. It may just be in the comments. It may be protests. It may be policy. It may be you know, organizing. It may be, we all have different gifts and, and many of us can do more than one thing. So it's very easy to, you know, go from, you know, one thing to the other, but it is also important that we recognize who does certain things best, you know, not better than everybody else, 
but where their gift is is truly, you know, where it, it truly shines. And yeah. it doesn't minimize uh, what somebody else, you know, does. And it doesn't take away from that. And I think that's important for those that, that work in the movement or, and for those listening who want to get involved. You know, you have to sit aside your jealousy and your ego and, and your I want to be the one that's only known for th- that, you know, in order for us really to have that camaraderie that you're talking about, you know, that you grew up and saw. And see, then they had to because it was segregation. They only had each other to lean on. Now yeah. we have so many different things that we can pull and, you know, lean on and pull every way that we don't feel that there's a need to lean. But I'm proud of what I see in this generation of leaders at least the, the 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 folks that I know that that really are trying to build a, you know, if nothing else, a respect and a camaraderie. You know, we may do different things and we may not always agree with yeah. what how everybody moves. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of Ben Crump's advisors on policy and mm-hmm. I am nothing like him. We are totally opposite. I challenge him all the time. He always says, Tez, you give me more unsolicited advice than anybody I know, because I, I uh, there's many things that I, I take issue, you know, with Ben. Why don't you do it this way? Why don't you do it that way? I don't really agree with that. But he's wise enough to at least have people around that challenges him, you that know, part. and that's yes, the yes. that's the wisdom, you know, and, and me challenging doesn't mean I get everything right. He challenges me, too, you know. Um, so I, I, I'm glad to hear you say that. You just listened to part one with Yanajaha Longwood. This interview was so good that we are going to pick it up next week. We wanted to make sure that you did not miss any of this important conversation as we continue to discuss Black American issues, Native American issues, and how we can find common ground. Make sure that you tune in next week to listen to part two on Straight Shot No Chaser with Yanajaha Longworth and Tesla Figaro. If you like what you heard on Straight Shot No Chaser, please subscribe and drop a five-star review and tell a friend. Straight Shot No Chaser is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. I'm Tesla Figaro, and I'd like to thank our producer, editor, mixer, the one and only Marcy DePina, our mix master, Dwayne Crawford, and our executive producer, Charlemagne the God. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. <laughs> 